Welcome back, everybody, to Daily DVR. Another week. Today is Monday, September 25th, 2023. We had a fantastic week on the DVR Podcast Network last week. We did a bunch of shows, had some great guests. You can check all that out at DVRpodcast.com. Man, we talked reality. We talked football. We talked all types of television uh, with Mike and with Scott and with the boys uh, over at Around the Couch. Again, DVRpodcast.com. Also become a patron at patreon.com slash DVR. I have a great guest today, a man who's been on our show before. I've been on his show. I love listening to him, whether he's talking about Star Wars or talking about the world of TV and film news and such. His name is Julian. He's coming from the Tower of Babel podcast, as well as small screen Star Wars, right? Absolutely. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Axel. It's good to be here. Um, always fun to get back on Daily DVR. Uh, and yeah, small screen Star Wars. So it's kind of a spinoff show. I don't know. I, I wouldn't say we have a network of shows, you know, because it's just it's just me and, and a couple of folks. But yeah. uh, we do do a spinoff show um, where we cover Star Wars on the small screen. It's really just all Star Wars that we can kind of uh, we can get in. But really, it's it's doing these weekly recap reviews. Uh, right now, obviously, Ahsoka is uh, in the middle of its uh, oh, coming wrap. I'm about to wrap up. Only two episodes left this season, um, and uh, so we've been covering that. It's been really fun. Although. You know, as things go, this season's been wrought with technical challenges. I've had my computer's been in and out of the shops and all that kind of stuff. So we normally do live podcasts for those as well, live recordings on Wednesdays. Um, but those have been hit and miss this uh, for this season. But that's okay. We'll be back for whatever the next series is. The I think it's uh, Skeleton Crew, uh, which is the the one that comes up after Ahsoka. But uh, there's still lots to talk about. Yeah, Small Screen Star Wars. Really excited about it. Definitely. Well, you know what? I always save this to the end. Why don't we start off to tell people where they can find you? Sure. So head over to towerofbabble.ca. That's B-A-B-B-L-E. Um, and you can find the, our regular show, which is the Tower of Babel podcast, which we cover film and TV, as well as uh, Small Screen Star Wars, which is there. Um, and then if we start up any other spinoff shows, that's where you're going to find that. Uh, and at on Twitter or X, at Tower Babblecast, Facebook.com slash Tower Babblecast. Um, and uh, that's the best way to get a hold of me. Nice. All right. Awesome. Okay. So we got all the pleasantries out of the way. We've got some stuff to talk about. I definitely want to talk about Ahsoka. I've been loving it. Talked a little bit about it with Mike on Friday. He just kind of came to it in the last episode. I've loved the whole thing. But we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. But I wanted to start out because the news came out last night. That it looks like the Writers Guild and the studios have reached a tentative agreement. The actors are still on strike, but this definitely um, signals hopefully an end to the stalemate that has been gripping Hollywood for, what what, what is it, almost over three months, four months it's been going on. Yeah. Um, and uh, we still don't really know the details of the deal. I think that they it still has to be voted on um, by the Writers Guild members. And then once that's done, hopefully that the, there'll be talks with the actors will be 
forwarded as well. Um, already, you know, if you check the the uh, the trades as they call them, you see a lot of they're already planning on some of the broadcast shows coming back, and of course the late night shows, Saturday Night Live, and all that kind of stuff. But we don't really have details. But I don't know if you have any thoughts about this so far, or if you think they may have gotten anything good, or of course if AI is going to take over the universe. I don't know. What do you think, Julian? Well, I don't think AI is taking over anything anytime soon. I work with AI on a regular basis, and it's really not as smart as uh, people seem to think it is. But <clears throat> that's a story for another day. Um, I guess, yeah, I mean, I was kind of tuned out. I tried to check out this weekend. I've been really, you know, um, it's been busy, busy, busy. So I figured, hey, this weekend would seem like a good time to check out. So I only saw some of this stuff kind of popping up on the social stuff um, late last night. So again, I, and as you said, there's no details. So I guess that, I didn't miss much. But that being said, obviously, it's great to hear that the writers are going to start getting back to work. I, personally, I'm not, I don't watch the late night shows. So like that, the writer strike has had almost no effect on the programming that I watch. The truth is, though, it will next year because the things that would have been in production now for release next year uh, won't be ready in time. So the, we'll feel the pains later. It's just a deter, you know, um, deferred uh, payment basically <laughs> on the on that strike and obviously ultimately getting the writers back to work means that you can get into production or get into pre-production but you need the actors to get into production so until the actors are back to work it's a bit of a it's a bit of a mixed bag I, i'm i'm more curious to see what concessions the studios made yeah. around that ai stuff which i think was one of the main um concerns as well as the the residual conversation and kind of how the impacts it might have on the streaming landscape. Obviously there's um, some stories about that later as well, but yeah, I don't know. I think it, I think for now it's, it's a bit of a, a bit of a mixed bag because yeah, I'm, I, I hope that the writers got a fair deal. I, I assume that they're not going to accept anything they don't think is a fair deal. Um, but you know, let's get, and I, I imagine that it's going to be less of a challenge to get the actors back to work, but ultimately, it, you know, um, it for me as and someone who doesn't work in the in the system, obviously, uh, it's about it's about the outputs, right? You know, what 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 are they producing? What are they creating? And and right now, they haven't been making anything. So I'm just for me, I'm just excited that they're back to they can get back to making fun stuff. Yeah, yeah, I feel the same way. I'm not a big watcher of late night shows. Um, didn't really affect my TV viewing, but as you said, it will in the future. But then, you know, also, this is a great excuse to um, maybe for even, I mean, as we know, the a lot of this stuff is really driven by Wall Street. And if, the, and if, they, if there's a push and the stocks are going, they want to spend some money, who knows? We could have another little kind of heyday or we could have a re-examining of the studios saying, hey, we saved a lot of money not making shit for four months. <laughs> Let's, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I, everything I, looks good. Let's not make as much shit as, like we're, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, and I, I could yeah. see that. I could see there being a, uh, uh, a correction, yes. as it were. So back to a, a maybe a more stable production schedule. I mean, we saw Disney already say that the, you know, you know, under previous management, the, the edict was 
you know, make, 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 make as fast as much as you can. And we saw how that affected things like Obi-Wan, you know, the, the, the quality of the visuals of that show were lacking, especially compared to things that we're even get, that we're getting even now. So, you know, I don't know how it's it's funny to me because it's a bit of a catch twenty two in that situation where it's like oh yeah you say saved a bunch of money by not releasing anything or not making anything over the last four months but ultimately their business is making things so they can't do that for very long it's not that's not really a sustainable model right. so you know they have to get back to a place where they you know they can make stuff and that helps them make money now what that actually means will we in terms of how that's going to affect the consumer. We'll we'll find out. I, I imagine when the details come out, I think we're going to realize there's going to be a a situation um, where we're going to see pretty quickly that prices are probably going to go up again, which sucks. But that's probably the most likely. Yes, interesting. Um, yeah, all of this really, what it means to us is how much do we pay? How much stuff do we get? <laughs> right when do we get yeah, it yeah exactly um and, and how much of that money that we pay goes to the writers or how much of that yeah. money goes to the actors and you know obviously historically speaking it's not been that much hopefully that that arithmetic will change here and there'll be more of that money will go to the creatives i mean that would that would be ideal i think i think people would feel a lot better and you know maybe, maybe i shouldn't speak for everybody but i think personally i i would feel a lot better knowing that you know if every year my price for Amazon Prime or Netflix or whatever goes up, that at least a good tr- chunk of that of that money goes to the creatives, not not Ted yep. Sarandos or whoever. Yeah, you know. So yeah, or guys in suits who don't even watch TV. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what do they do with their time. I don't know. I guess they exercise a lot and and manscape. Um, that's just what I figure a lot of wax. That's so they can look good on their yachts. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But, um, yeah, I know we both agree. I I'm always, uh, I'm a, I'm just historically a union person. I know there's problems, you know, with any, any system when human beings get together, but there has to be a check and balance. And I hope for any, for one thing, or if anything comes of this is that maybe the studio's consider the people that make things work you know there's other humans so you all have to work together and share a little bit and it can be better that way um and i think that holding out for so long was a good thing by the writers and it was good that this the actors came in just to show their strength and say we're here and hopefully like you're saying the 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 lower level peeps, you know, not the, we're not talking about the Brad Pitts. We're talking about the Heaths. We're talking about the the catfishes out there who are who are acting and sure. try, or writing. People trying to work in this industry, um, you know, even the PAs get a little bit more of a cut and are treated better. But like you said, sometimes the cost gets um, passed on, and sometimes that cost can get passed on to us in other ways. And that is my segue to our next topic I wanted to discuss with you. I talked a little bit about it with Mike, but um, some more information has come out about it. And that is that beginning next year, Amazon is pivoting to a default ad option on Amazon Prime, meaning that unlike the other streamers who said, hey, you pay 17 bucks for Netflix right now. 
Do you want to just pay 10 bucks? Well, you can, but you'll get ads. What Amazon is doing is overnight, Amazon Prime will just have ads on it. And if you don't want ads, you're going to have to pay some more money for it. So it's kind of the reverse of what everyone else has done. But this is Amazon, right? They've been experimenting with Freebie, with all these fast channels, right, Um, which are ad-supported. So I guess they figure most people get Amazon for the Prime, like the packages. If we add ads to this, a lot of people might not even notice. I keep on quoting this recent study that showed like, I got to go back and find it, but it was like 20 or 25% of the people who get Apple TV plus even know they have it. Like most people don't even know they have it. And that actually more people watch Peacock than Apple TV plus Apple. I have to add the plus, but it's like their own channels. We just, we talk about things in terms of what we like and what's prestige, but what people are really watching and what's making money is what sets the tone. What do you think about this? I think it's kind of a radical idea by Amazon, but I, 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 I just I don't think it's going to backfire. I do think I think most people aren't even going to realize it. They're going to be like, "Oh, I guess Amazon Prime always had ads." I just don't think the general public is really even that educated about what they're paying for and what has ads and what doesn't. That. I think it's probably going to be a big boom for Amazon and it's going to spell the doom of all the rest of the streaming without ads for us. And I just think it's bad news, baby. Yeah. Well, I, as you know, I have strong feelings about these things. I, I feel like, and this is, this is just a general statement, but if I'm paying for something, um, a, a premium price for something, especially I should be getting ads. That's not that I, it drives me nuts that when I go to the movie theater and paying 15 bucks for a movie ticket, I'm getting ads before I even get to the previews. Um, you know, again, Agreed. I, I'm, I'm being sold and I'm still having to buy it. So it's like, it just feels like they're getting to double dip and it, it, it really irks me. And so in these case, in the cases where it's like, okay, we're going to introduce an ad tier. It's never bothered me because you know, they, that was always at a kind of a discounted price. This, this kind of gaslighting that Amazon's doing here. (laughs) First of all, Amazon, it's, it's crazy because it's like this idea. It's like, well, you you know, we were always giving you a deal, but now, you know, if you really want a deal, you know, if you really want to get rid of ads, you have to pay extra. It's like, then that was never the deal. Right. And this is the same thing that with Netflix, it was like, well, you want to share your password. Now you're going to pay more. Well, again, that was never the deal. Right. So I, I really Nothing bothers me more than than companies changing the terms of an agreement on a customer to make their experience worse, right? Because I understand investing in products and I understand investing in experiences and all those kinds of things, but the money doesn't go back into these services a lot of the time. It goes into shareholders' pockets. And, you know, not to get into a rant about how capitalism works, but, you know, th- this... There's this concept, I don't know if you've heard people talk about it, it in shitification, where basically you, you, you create a product or a service that that's had, provides tons of value, and then you slowly make it worse and worse and worse at the expense of the, of the customer um, to reduce costs and increase revenue for 
shareholder return, right? Because eventually the shareholders uh, come and the investors come and they want they want returns. And we see this all the time across all sorts of services. Netflix, we just saw it with happening with that, right? Um, and it, it's it's a scourge on the um, internet landscape, in my opinion. Now, is that what's really what's happening here? I don't know. The thing with with Amazon Prime Video, which is that like a lot of people don't know that they have it, similar with Apple TV Plus, it just it comes with their 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 Prime subscription, which they get because they want the free delivery. But if we're talking about insurification, well, we might as well talk about how the fact that free two day delivery isn't really two days anymore. It'll say, "Hey, get your free two day delivery," and it'll be arrive in two weeks. So you know, things are just. Generally speaking, things seem to be breaking down, but it doesn't seem to be a a technology problem. It's a it's a intentional, almost sabotaging of a product. Yep, your iPhone goes the, slower. <laughs> well, I, I don't necessarily believe in that in that in that one. But I, I just that's think the, that that's what do get slower. Yeah, that's what yeah. you're talking about, though, right? Where you yeah, I mean, it's the, the same idea. I mean, yeah. Yeah, you lock them into an experience, they get used to it, you make it shittier, but then you can also say, hey, guess what? You know, charge more. Yeah, (laughs) if you pay, this is what Amazon's going to do. You're going to have to pay $2.99 a month if you want to get no ads. But guess what? They're not going to show 18 minutes of ads like we're used to an old episode of television being around 40 to 42 minutes with about 18 to 20 minutes of commercials, right? No, they're going to say, we're, we're only going to do like freebie does three, which is what this whole thing was an experiment. Once they did freebie, I was like, uh, freebie is going to become Amazon prime, which is basically what's happening. They've been throwing shows back and forth on it. That's basically what's going to happen. Right? Because I think that they, uh, pre-roll? I, is it just pre-roll ads or is it there's there mid-roll ads? No, too? there's both. Yep. Yep. Uh, mid-roll. And they do really it on some movies too. Some of them some movies actually that in the middle be, of that the movie. That should be illegal. I don't you can't <laughs> there's no way you should be interrupting movies for ads. I know, I'm sorry. This but is so not, many people already do it, that, Julian. You know, so all a lot of these fast channels, um, which are the the free ad supported networks. They do that. They'll show a movie, but and then all of a sudden, yeah. But that's free, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, true, I understand true. that. But, but why am I see, paying, what am I paying for then? But I, I think what I they're know. trying to say is that if the public sees Amazon Prime Video as a freebie that's thrown in with their Prime package shipping, right? Their free shipping, then why are why don't we treat it like that? And make them pay for, you know, it's just like in economics too, where human beings have the, we're all programmed that we actually feel better when we pay for something. We feel like we're getting something better, right? Like if you make the price too low, someone will consider it to be cheap or low or low quality or low class. Even if everybody is telling them, no, it's actually better. This is people just won't believe it because capitalism has so programmed us into this. Amazon's taking advantage of that. And I unfortunately, I agree with everything you're saying, man. I, I feel like I when we pay for Amazon Prime, 
I feel it's the packaging, but I consider it to also be the video service because obviously I'm sitting here fucking talking about this shit every day on a podcast. Um, But I don't think other people do. I think we are, and those listening to us are a a select few. And most people are probably not even going to realize it's, it is a kind of gaslighting, (laughs) Uh, but I guess I don't know if that's the, I never gaslighting is such a, yeah, I don't know. It it, it, it feels like I'm fighting this uphill battle against what is consistently anti-consumer moves, right? Yeah. It's like, no one's at the wheel. No one's watching and saying, you know, wait a minute. Like, Hey, these people agreed to this X thing and you keep changing the terms over and over and increasing the prices over and over again. It's like, at some point the buck has to stop somewhere. And I, it just, it, it, you know, I, if you recall during the era of um, game of Thrones, game of Thrones was the number one show in the world, but it was also the highest pirated show in the world. Yeah. Right. Yep. And HBO historically hated that um, constantly trying to do takedowns, all that kind of stuff to try to try to limit the damage. But of course, you know, there's nothing, it's really hard to actually do that in practice. It's once it's out there, it's out there. It really feels like, and it, you know, the studios made a huge inroad on piracy as a problem over the last decade or so because streaming was very convenient and it's more convenient than piracy. But when you start changing these policies, you start implementing these an anti-consumer moves and and the worst part is when you're not seeing it as a customer return on that you know the shows aren't getting better they're not they're not higher quality HBO obviously an exception to that probably but um you know in Canada we pay this premium for Crave which is you know it's all its own scam but I guess for me it just comes down to Piracy is going to come back. I'm not advocating for piracy. Interesting. It's just going. It's just going to happen. It's just a natural um, side effect of these policies is going to create a revived piracy environment. And it's just it's unfortunate, but it's a reality. And again, these are this was all they had actually solved this problem already, but it wasn't good enough for them. So you know, back to the drawing board. And again, just on Amazon. Um, as well. It's like if if they want to be seen as a premium streaming service, you know, having it be seen as a bundled with your shipping service with a $3 premium to get ad free, I don't think that's the recipe, right? You want people to care about um, Rings of Power and The Boys and, and other things that they've got on that, you know, Wheel of Time, whatever. I don't watch that show. But anyway, um, you want people to care about those things? Bring the content, which they're doing. That was what they were doing, and it was working, in my opinion. They also revi- they also revived revised the UI, which desperately needed it. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I it just feels like it's so transparent in terms of decision making why they're doing it this way, or what and what's motivating them. It's you know, uh, if if there was any an, any ounce of you know uh, shame within these organizations <laughs> they would at least issue us they'd at least or issue a statement saying hey we you know this yeah. is here's how we plan here's why we're doing this here's how how we plan on investing that additional income or whatever you know 
that kind of thing. But no, it's never that. It's no. never, we'll never get that information. Dude, it's it, so it, it's it, yeah, it's hilarious. You know, in my former, in one of my former lives, I was a journalist, and one of the things that I wrote about in the late '90s was internet marketing and marketing in general. So. I learned as a journalist how often journalists just copy press releases and don't ask any questions, but how this is kind of like how people are in general. I'm reading this Hollywood Reporter article and they're like, they've got like bullet points, which is literally probably from a press release that they release, right? This is how they state it. Instead of saying, you used to pay $139 a year for free shipping Amazon Prime, which includes Amazon Prime video with no ads. But next year, you're going to have to pay $36 more a year if you don't want ads, which is actually what's happening, right? That's actually right. what's happening. The product you were getting is being, is being, what did you say, shitified or something? In shitified, yeah. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. That's what's happening. But instead, uh, we're going to say it a completely confusing way, and then the Hollywood Reporter is going to just write it right in their article and say, how much is it going to cost? For existing Prime subscribers, nothing more. Amazon, sa Amazon says it won't raise the price of a Prime membership. But we already know they are, though, because well, yeah, it's like this is what I mean. It's just the gaslighting yeah. thing. It it's doesn't. So, you're saying that you're not raising the prices, but it's you're hilarious. changing the service. So and the journalism know, follows, yeah. and the people follow, and yeah, but that's so what what's your what, they have you locked in? What search? What option yeah, do you exactly. have? Really? Yep. Right? Yep. Again, exactly. Again, and this is where it comes back to the piracy thing. People will say no, enough is yep. enough, and they will go to piracy. That's because, a great point, man. Because a, there's no, I can't buy it on DVD. You know, there's no. You know, or Blu-ray or whatever anymore. You know, physical media is going away, um, and and then you know, these streaming services are deleting content willy-nilly because they don't want to pay residuals or whatever. Yeah. So it's like it really couldn't be a you know the gold. I think someone mentioned this recently, which is <laughs> that the golden age of streaming is over. Um, yeah. and we're now, I don't know what I don't know what oh, I know what it is. It's era it, is, it, this is the era of the golden shower where they piss all over <laughs> you and tell you you're getting cleaner. Uh, right. That's what it really is. The age of the golden shower on television. Um, all right. Well, let's move, <sighs> let's move the discussion to something I think is more positive. Uh, a show that you've been covering. I believe you've been enjoying it. I've been enjoying it. You have a more nuanced, I say I believe because I listen to your podcast, but you also have a more nuanced opinion or educated opinion i have not even though i'm a star wars fan i have not watched all of the clone wars nor have i watched all of rebels i've probably seen about half of both i know okay. a lot of the stories i know the characters but um i didn't know this story and we're gonna do full spoilers here let's just spoiler it out for those who are have watched um ahsoka because i want to talk about like different parts of it and ask you some questions, see what your opinion is. Um, but uh, overall, I just say I've loved the show. I didn't know specifics, how it, how rebels ended. And that has actually made watching the show more interesting for me 
because mm. I feel like it's a little bit of a mystery element is added to it that I'm finding out more about characters that I just knew the beginning of their story for. Uh, remember watching it on Disney XD? I always remember that. I don't even know if that channel still exists. Yeah, this, I don't think it exists anymore. But Disney okay. XD was I its era during the Rebels, and they had the uh, Rebels Recon after yeah. show stuff that they were doing was very I. I was gripped. <laughs> That's really, and remember, Rebels was the first um, really piece of content that Disney put out once after they bought True. Uh, Lucas. Great point. So, great point. Yeah. So overall, we've got what one or two episodes left of uh, uh, two episodes left. Okay, We're, two episodes. Okay. This, this week, tomorrow will be the penultimate episode, and then the week after will be the finale. And, okay. and speculation is that there will be a season two, um, but it also could be, we also heard about the potential Grand Admiral Thrawn movie, so maybe this is leading into that, although, you know, that would be years away, presumably, so it's hard to say how that's all going to fit together, but um, as of right now, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's we're running into the, the, the finale of the season, it, it's, it's getting close, and it's, these eight episode seasons, a little irksome. Um, I would have liked a longer season of television. Uh, I understand, you know, Obi-Wan was eight episodes, Ahsoka's eight episodes. I just feel like it would do themselves a, a favor to let these shows breathe a little bit more. But anyway, that's a, that's a whole conversation for another time. Well, that's part of what I'd like to ask. How, what is your, if you had to kind of at this point, talk about your overall feelings on this series and, and in relationship as well as contrasting and comparing it to the other star Wars series, what would your opinions be? Yeah, I think it's a mixed bag. Um, I really, really love it at times. And then other times I have, and maybe I'm just, it could be that I'm just getting my, in my own head a little bit about some of these things, but it's just a little bumpy for me at other times. And I don't know. I, I, I think, I wonder about the experience for people who don't have any knowledge of the rebels characters or those stories or the clone wars for that, for that matter. And I know they try in this show to kind of create a, a they try to create an environment that feels welcoming for those, those types of viewers, but I don't know how effective that is. I, I was having a conversation with a guy um, at hockey the other day and he was saying that he was watching Ahsoka and he was like, he was, wasn't sure about it. He's like, Oh, I never watched the cartoon. So I don't know all these things. I feel like I need to. And so that's, that's my biggest concern with the show is that it's, that it's really fascinating for someone like myself or my co-host Rachel who watched rebels and rewatched rebels and has, you know, studied these things for a long time and spends a lot of time thinking about star Wars but when it comes to just the regular viewer, it feels like there's they some of them have kind of turned off or have been turned off by some of the the Star Wars of late, right? I know people couldn't get through some people couldn't get through Andor. I think that, like that's a shame because that's probably the best Star Wars we've had in a long time since the Last Jedi, probably. Um, now maybe not counting the Bad Batch, which is really really good as well. But I guess. I just have, I just, I worry about those viewers and maybe that's the not for me to worry about, you know, from my personal perspective is that I think it's bringing a lot of the mysticism back to Star Wars that I think was missing 
in the Mandalorian. Mandalorian's great, no uh, season three, notwithstanding, not as strong. Um, but it, it was it brought that Western feel. It, it it was really it was very cool. I have no again no qualms there, but it didn't have that that mystical force side of things that I think Dave Filoni really gets and understands. Yeah. You know, obviously we have this episode recently where we bring back a young Anakin Skywalker and this kind of like limbo situation or world between worlds type of environment. And I think that's gotta be hard for people who don't know, but for those who do, man, it's exciting, right? You know, the getting to see Ahsoka and live, I mean, live action engage with a live action Anakin um, in and of itself is exciting. Um, I, again, I feel like, they need to let things breathe a little bit. That even that's that whole sequence in the uh, two episodes ago felt a little rushed um, at times. And and ultimately, I just think that this show is very much just a sequel to Rebels, and I think that's fine. But if people were going and expecting anything else, I think they might be disappointed. I I think visually it's stunning. I think it looks great. This this is good as looking as uh, Andor was, and Andor was. Yeah, it's like very good looking. Um, I I like Andor the, is good looking. <laughs> <laughs> well, the character, the character, and the show. Yeah, <laughs> just like um, Diego Luna and I and uh, and the show itself. That, um, and then I guess you know the introduction of of um, Ray Stevenson as Balin Skull and oh, uh, Shin Hadi, uh, Ivana Sankno. Um, really cool. I gripped every time they're on screen. Obviously. You know, a sh- massive shame that you know uh, Ray Stevenson uh, passed. I know uh, before he got to even see the reaction to this. I think it would have been nice. He would have totally had. There would have been. So a, yeah, there would have been like a Steve Anasans, as they say. You know, I. Feel oh yeah, like hundred percent. He's really cool. He's great. Yeah. Yeah, but and then ultimately, you know, it comes down to a couple other things like. How are you feeling about the transition of characters from from animation into live action? I think some better than than others. I have mixed feelings about Thrawn. I have mixed feelings about Ezra. I have mixed feelings about Hera, uh, Ahsoka, as you know, played by Rosario Dawson. We've seen now a few times. We've she's had a lot more to do with in this series than we've seen her have to do before. But largely, I'm I like her performance. People have been giving her a hard time saying it's wooden, it's cold, some of these things. I think we're about to see that change i think part of that was intentional um i really really like thrawn played by lars mickelson coming back from the animated series i think the voice is perfect i you can't argue with that i do think the look leaves a little to be desired feels a little looks a little silly at times i mean and maybe really? that's a little bit of it. I do. I feel like maybe the color blue could have been a little bit darker. The <laughs> eyes could have been a little. I mean, I think something could really make you feel man. a little bit less silly. Oh, I I, I found yeah. I found him to be so striking. Like as soon as uh, he came on the screen, I was like, it it is. I mean, I think like a lot of things in the Star Wars universe, sometimes there is a little bit of like a huh, and then you're you kind of have to sink into it. Even like with some right. of the. You know, some of the animals or, you know, sometimes they use like the more half puppet, more sometimes sure. more CGI. So there's a little bit of that that goes on. But I felt that the presentation of Thrawn as well as like uh, what's named Captain Enoch, 
Um, yeah, Enoch's really cool. And the visuals the, of that are oh, the whole so cool. thing, the way that they were like, huh, huh, and they were doing their kind of like specific battle cry that was different, right? Um, yeah, but what did you think of the witches? <laughs> Uh, I I liked the witches. I liked that because I I liked the whole, I liked how the, um, you're you're probably much better at the names than I, but I'm trying to find her as I look through the um, Morgan. Okay. Morgan Morgan, Mm Elsbeth. I like how in the beginning, Shin was like, she's a witch. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I was like, and then she's later, she's like, more witches. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. more witches. And that's like telling the audience, okay, hey, she's not saying Sith. She's not saying Jedi, right? Right. She's using this word witches, and we're in the Star Wars. Now, I know a little bit about it, having known some of the stories, right? And, And, but I, like you were saying, that the whole way that this show was embracing the Jedi and like the weird mystical stuff, which they did a little bit in Mando with their creed and the and the creature, you know what I'm saying? And like the sure, kind of the yeah. relationship he had with the um the woman who was I, I'm not as good with the name, the woman who was like making the armor, right? Kind of the Oh, the armor. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I knew it. The armor. Um <laughs> yeah. But they get more into it. I I agree with you that I'm sure there are people who watched the first episode and went, who the fuck's Ezra? What the? F- oh, it's that fucking cartoon that I never watched. Turning it off. Right. But if they stick with it like I did, because I just love Star Wars and I love anything with spaceships and sci-fi, and I just immediately, it was so breathtakingly They've really solved the volume problem, and I love that they that they were challenged by it. They overdid it. They introduced it, and everyone was like, holy shit, the volume. And then by the next series, everyone was like, yeah, I can kind of tell from the background <laughs> Let's, you know, that they're in it. And yeah, then they I think like, they, they overshot they listened. with that. Yeah. They listened, right? And that's one thing is sometimes they listen a little too much, but- Uh, as far as stories and such go, or they feel like they're listening, but I like that they listened. It looks spectacular. It's my favorite Star Wars show so far. I don't think it's the best. I think Andor overall is the best, but even some of the Mon Mothma stuff in Andor, I was a little bit like, okay, this is, I mean, I liked it and I liked the peak inside the society world of Star Wars, right? But um, and the rebels kind of side too. But I did feel drag a little bit for me. But this show is like we have a purpose, and then they were like, bam, and they just took off. And uh, mm-hmm. I've been really excited by it. I wanted to ask your opinion. What do you think? To me, as a, I, I guess I would say more than casual Star Wars fan, I was aware of all the Timothy Zahn books and read a bunch of them and all that kind of stuff back in the day before they even, I mean, I cried the day Lucas sold star Wars. Cause I was like, fuck, we can finally get shit. You know what I mean? I was so excited. <laughs> right. You brought me back to that yep. place when you reminded me that rebels was the first Disney thing, you know? And a lot of these shows seem to be a retcon 
of explaining Rise of the Skywalker and what the fuck happened with the Emperor yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But in the midst of all that, you get the genius of Filoni and Favreau and these people who love Star Wars. And it's almost like they're rushing, they're trying so hard to craft a a believable story and they really have done it. And I'm, I'm kind of in awe that something, when I watched the rise of Skywalker and I was like, what the fuck? Uh, <laughs> what? This is such a tack on. Like they just wanted to bring back the, I was not a huge fan of it, even though I'll watch it again and it looks great. And I love star Wars. I, I am a bit in awe of what an amazing job they have done sprinkling all the cloning shit in Mando and Boba Fett and this and, and all this shit they've done. They've, I've just, I have to give them so much credit and I guess it's Favreau and Filoni really, right? That have, they've just made that movie. I feel like I want to watch the rise of Skywalker again. Let's not get carried away. I, I, <laughs> you might not be, you might not be surprised, but I have mixed feelings about this because on one hand, we know that giving the keys to someone like Filoni to flush out a world like the clone wars, um, ultimately created a whole new generation of fans. Right. Um, and really helped, solidify the prequels which had their own backlash of you know which predates my True. recollection of any thing. of that stuff thank you we did the same thing with the prequels that's a lot of what clone wars great point right and it was just kind of like hey let's let's fill in the gaps let's provide context for things like you know how anakin went from a, a nice young man to a murder to murdering children so quickly right we need to be able to we need to bridge that somehow. And, and they felt like they needed to do that. And that's allowed them to introduce characters like Ahsoka, obviously really established the clones as characters and all these interesting things. And that spun off to things like the bad batch, which is a, obviously amazing show. I can't really speak highly enough about that in terms. It is peak Lucasfilm animation. It's, it's really, really good stuff. Um, but so that's one side of it, which is to say, I understand the, um, the, mo the, the, the model here, right. Which is filling in, things that need some, a, a little bit more uh, uh, flesh on the bones. Now, on the other hand, um, I really like, despite the prequel, the, some of the silliness in the, in the prequels, I really like those movies still. Um, and I think there's a lot, I just think there's a lot to bite, you know, sink your teeth into. Now, compare that to the sequel trilogy, and I think it's not quite the same. Um, the, episode seven, Really, is it was it's exciting, but it's very much a reflection of A New Hope, um, for better or for worse. Uh, episode eight is probably my favorite Star Wars movie. I love The Last Jedi, but it's too, so decisive, divisive. It's so divisive, and it's such a shame because I think it, it's the first time in so long. I watched. You know, I remember watching it in theaters and getting so excited about that movie, and then being so disappointed when I came out of the theater and realized that people hated it and they didn't understand. To this day, I don't really understand it. Um, but I, I at least have a better understanding of why they feel that way. But either way, then they, you know, they, they have this knee-jerk reaction. They rush the production for episode nine. And what we get is a turd. It's just such an unfortunate conclusion to what was so many great movies. And 
what you have now is this 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 television space because Star Wars exists on TV right now. There hasn't been movies in, since Episode Nine, um, and I, as much as I want movies to come back, I think they need to they need to be the right movies, and I think they need to they need to be handled with care because I think you want to avoid people getting stale on this franchise. Um, you know, I it, it doesn't have as much, in my opinion. Um, leeway as something like Marvel does to, to play with tone as, as much. I think, I think you can, as we saw with Andor and, and, and to some degree the Bad Batch and other things, but um, largely there's a formula here. And so if, if people get too burnt out on, burnt out on it, I, it could be disastrous for Lucasfilm because Star Wars is Star Wars. So, um, and it, it, to try to make Star Wars into something else, I think has proven to be challenging and difficult. So now you have this world with things on TV and they are set in this pre-sequel era timeline. And they're setting up these really interesting concepts about the Mandalorians and uh, you know the future of the Jedi and all these things. But we know how those things play out. And again, that's not necessarily a, a gripe because again, we knew how we know what happens to the Jedi during the Clone Wars too. That didn't make that that didn't make that show any worse. But it it really feels like we're leading into this into this environment where we're going to have to try to explain Episode Nine. Um, and explain the line, you know, somehow Palpatine returned and all that stuff. I mean, cloning and all these other things. But we, you know, when we don't know the fate of the Mandalorians and we don't know, but we do know the fate of the Jedi, you know, Luke's Jedi Temple, for instance. We know what happens to that, you know, yeah. so that's yeah. so that's a little disappointing. Um, and, and and all these things, I guess the other thing is we also don't get to play with the characters. We're not playing with the Lukes, the Leias, and the, and the Hans, right? The people, the characters that people really like. I mean, they're, they're in... The, the periphery. Hey, they right? will. Um, the AI versions of them will be coming along soon enough. We've already. I'm seen sure. A I maybe. I'm skeptical. I would come up, almost prefer a recast to some degree. Oh, I, some I always stuff, prefer. I my friend, I always prefer a recast. Yeah, they. I think. Um, yeah, that would. That would be a. Gr- but I also prefer something new. That's something. Yeah, and well, we're getting something new. Yeah. I mean, we're bringing. I mean, to some degree, right? I mean. Thrawn isn't new, but bringing Thrawn into live action and setting up this this heir to the Empire f- movie and all that stuff that's really exciting. But it's so it's weird now because at least in Episode Three, Revenge of the Sith, we deal with the tail end of the Clone Wars. It starts the Clone Wars are happening, and then at the end, and then Order sixty six happens, and then that you know what happens happens right. But in the scenario with Episode you know eight and nine or seven eight and nine, there's no mention of um, of a war with, with the with the imperial remnant or whatever. With you know, of uh, if if that's what happens with Thrawn or whatever. There's there's no, um, you know, we're dealing with all this stuff about how the New Republic is kind of dysfunctional and bureaucratic and all this stuff, and that's interesting. But they feel like they, it just feels like it's so ham-fisted because they need to be able to justify this uh, position of demilitarization, which ultimately leads to their destruction in episode seven, which is also crazy that they did that in episode seven because they needed to reset the, the, the board. So instead of getting to play with a whole, with a resurgent new Republic, we have to just take them off, we, uh, wipe them off the board. I think that's, you know, some of these yeah. things, these decisions that were made hastily now they're having to fit what is ultimately a very interesting story. What we're getting now with Ahsoka and Mando and all that stuff, and uh, you know the Mando verse for short, right? And but it has to fit into this kind of very oddly structured, rushed and poorly planned sequel trilogy, which 
is different from the prequels. That's the, I think that's the distinction, right? Well, that you, was well planned. Do you think do you, when you look forward, right? And we know that they're planning to bring Ray back now, right? Um, sure. That, that's at least what they say. I mean, God, they've made like 50 fucking announcements. I can't and, take you know, a word. I can't, they're just, they I can't know. trust them Me, because I they're agree. not, until I see a movie in production, I just, I'm not going to take their word. They also are say that they are building to a climactic melding of all the shows where, where they'll come back all together to, I guess what be discover the emperor before like Ray, like kind of fill in that that point too where does it go past that like once they bring us do you think that they're going to continue with some of these characters actually into a movie with ray and stuff like that because some of them will still technically be alive right yeah i don't you know i that's i don't know is the short answer because would you like Theoretically, that? you could then put the podcast you could put the the franchise on pause for a moment let it kind of you know, rebuild some of the anticipation and relaunch it in some way. But I, I just don't think that they can really wait that long. They got to keep things like an, the animation studio needs to, you know, stay, needs stay busy. They got, they got to pay those people and they got to do stuff with that money. Right. So animation has got to continue. They've got a whole production studio that is set up for, for ongoing production, whether it's with the, the volume or on, on, you know, in, um, in sets in London and all these other things. So, I don't think they really can. Like, I don't think you can slow the engine down that much. So I, I, I expect what we'll get is kind of like, okay, we're really into a new era. You know how they kind of launched the new, Re- the, the high Republic era in the books. Yes. Um, yep. And that's, and it's, and it's, and it's taking and on do its, a show. A life of its own. They're going to do a show. Yeah. And they're going to do exactly. Which is acolyte will take place at the, at the tail end of that. But um, I guess you could launch this kind of like, post sequel era with whatever you know raise new jedi order and you could spin off from that and do all sorts of new things i think what's something that that has been bothering me a little bit in the the back end and by the way just so it's clear i really i really like ahsoka i think it's really good but just talking about the the state of the union as it were so um i think that they're they pulled so many things in from the extended universe or expanded universe legends stuff now yeah, yeah. um and i, I <laughs> think first they, they would, were like this is not real then they were like okay a lot of it's real. well they just pick and choose <laughs> which i think is even more confusing yeah right it is so you almost i i would i would almost want to challenge them to say come up with something completely original right you have a yeah. good i think i think ray as a character is a fine character i think i actually really like her uh, I think there's lots you could do with that, you know, post um, sequel trilogy timeline that's completely unwritten, completely open, and you can do all sorts of interesting things. And the, the thing is that the galaxy's bigger than Luke, Lon, and he- uh, Han and Leia, which we know now, obviously, because we've expanded the cast with things like Din and Ahsoka and stuff like that. But eventually, you know, we grow up out of those things, and we need to introduce new characters and new new ideas and new concepts, right? So. I think there's some of that that needs to happen, some freshness that needs to come back to, to really reinvigorate, reinvigorate things. For now, I think a lot of the, the, the connections into, you know, Clone Wars and Rebels and all these kind of like threads of, of, of um, nostalgia, I guess, for lack of a better term, I think give it some momentum. 
but eventually that stuff runs out of steam as we're seeing um, in other places. So yeah, I think a little bit of um, creativity, ingenuity, Andor is such a good example because it takes, it takes a concept that we know, but really just, you know, puts a microscope to it, really makes it into a character study. I'm not saying that a Star Wars has to all become all of that, but there's a, there's something that we could be learned from that in terms of how to kind of engage an audience um, in, in Star Wars that you might have lost an older audience, maybe that you might've lost over time um, while continuing to work on the animated side to continue the, you know, the younger generation. So there's lots, there's lots to do. There's lots that can be done. Um, I, I'm right now. I'm just enjoying this era that we're in, you know, before things fall, fall apart, which may, may happen. I hope not, but it's hard to imagine that they can sustain this pace for, for much longer, but I'm, you know, enjoying the mystery that is Ahsoka, you know, what, you know, what, how that se the series finale or the, you know, I guess season finale might end um, is still fascinating to me. You know, there's still lots of interesting things that can still be explored. Um, but I think there's a lot of other things that they could be doing that I, I, I wonder if they're looking at. So yeah, mixed bag has kind of been, has been my, my message all along. Yeah, you just got to enjoy the things as they come, right? Um, exactly. And I mean, I'm looking at a timeline now. See, this is what always fucks me up. I'm always trying to trying to figure out what, because I was saying, when I said before, I was like, some of the people in Ahsoka and Mando and what we've seen in those shows should still be alive with, because this is happening, in, I guess, in like, I guess they call it ABY after the Battle of Yavin, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. um, so Mando season one and two is nine years after the Battle of Yavin, which is five years after Return of the Jedi. And then yeah. that, that's about the same time when Ahsoka takes place, about 11. But then yes. the the... Force Awakens takes place in 34. So it's 23 years later, if my math is correct. Yeah, we have lots of time. We have lots yeah. of time to, to fill. I guess that's one way of looking at it, just that, you know, hey, we've got 20 years of timeline to fill in. So there's lots you can explore. But it does rob it a little bit of its autonomy when it feels like it needs to kind of like everything needs to lead to the Force Awakens, which yeah. needs to lead to eventually the Rise of Skywalker, which we try to avoid. Right. But, you know, I, it's a it's a tough balance. I don't I don't you know, I don't envy that position of trying to find a way of telling interesting, unique stories in a time in a time frame and in a timeline where you're kind of boxed in a little bit. Yeah. So it's it's that's not easy. But, I you know, I think so far they've done a great job. So, you know, kudos. Well, the interesting thing is that supposedly the new Jedi Order movie with Ray is going to take place 15 years after the rise of Skywalker, which would make it 35 years after the events of what we're seeing in Ahsoka Mando. So, I mean, these are alien creatures. I don't know everyone's lifespan. That's exactly, you know what I'm saying? That's a thing to consider. Uh, or I'm saying that they'd be cool to see a like elderly Ahsoka, maybe, right. Or they could introduce. Right. I mean, I think I could, yeah, sure. They could introduce uh, carboniting people, and then they wake them up 
this could become like a foundation yeah, thing. Yeah, I guess like yeah. Jump hundred <laughs> years, right? Like they could say. I guess in theory, yeah. yeah. We never really. I guess we've never really thought about stasis. In there Star Wars you go. Before. They haven't. Yeah, stasis and time travel and stuff like that, which I'm okay with. They don't need to get Star Trekky. That's all right. Well, they're Star. doing time travel in a sense, but it's not time travel. They've been very explicit about that. That it's it's what the world between worlds is is not time travel. Like, yeah, I guess. I mean, it's, I guess it's just a different branding. It's mystical. That's a mystical that, thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's okay. hard to, it's, it is okay. I think, you know, bringing the mystery back to star Wars is I big, a, a big part of what's missing. Yeah. I, it, and it, it, I think it's a big part of what's making Ahsoka work, you know, lightsaber duels with, you know, these kind of life lessons of good and evil and, and commitment and all these things that feel, you know, right at home in the star Wars world that I think people are familiar with. I think it's going to go a long way of getting people back on board. Awesome, man. Well, listen, um, I've had a great time talking with you before we go. I do have to bring up the Winnipeg blue (laughs) bombers because I know you're a big fan and so is Heath solo. We do a show called around the couch, which covers the NFL and um, the guys have actually sent me some questions to ask you okay sure happy to ha- happy to be the token canadian to help answer uh, there you go exactly questions. exactly yeah. um brett wants to know which set of rules do you like better canadian football or the nfl well i guess prerequisite to this whole thing is that i i'm probably a little bit biased i grew up playing canadian football right um, and then I've been watching it since I've been a kid. Of course, I've been watching the NFL as well. Um, personally, knowing both sets of rules uh, quite well, I prefer the Canadian rules because I think it encourages more offense. I think it encourages. Um, I think it encourages a faster pace of play, um, and I think it allows for more creativity. Right. So things like being able to. Um, do the pre-motion snap uh, so yeah run, to run towards, towards the line, the line of, scrimmage of scrimmage yeah before the snap of the ball that and i really being able to do anything you want behind the line of scrimmage before dude let me tell you something i don't mean to interrupt but i have to say every time i watch canadian football that fucks me up i'm always like why is that guy running already <laughs> like, <laughs> right what the fuck is happening is he late because to the untrained eye and to the NFL, I grew up obviously with NFL. It appears as if the guy is an extra man running onto the field at the last minute. I'm always thinking sure. that somebody that's the only <laughs> time you see that in the NFL. And it rarely happens anymore. Um, that well, actually, it did there was a game with the Ravens where they had 10 men on the field yesterday. But I think it was a Ravens, but it just, yeah, that, that fucks me up. But yeah, the wide open, um, isn't your, what is it? The, um, the field is wider too, right? Yeah. It's a wider field, 65 yards wide, 110 yards long. That's, a, um, yeah, that's, that's and big. I, I think, you know, I like, I could, you could make the argument that the, the smaller end zone makes for a more competitive play. I sure I could see that, um, I would be open to that adjustment if you had to make some sort of change and shrink the, the end zone back. Cause a 20 yard end zone is pretty large. Um, but I like the Rouge. This is the, something that people are constantly debating all the time, which is the single point for kicking the ball through the back of the end zone, whether that's on a punt or a 
field goal or kickoff. Um, I think it creates more scoring uh, possibilities, different ways of scoring, which gives makes the games more competitive, more interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just I it is. I also prefer the live uh, the the fair catch rule, or sorry, not the fair catch rule. I don't like the fair catch rule. The halo rule um, for punt return. So in CFL, you have to give a punt returner a five yard halo to catch the ball, but there's no fair catch. They have to catch it and return it. Um, I, I think didn't the know that. So That's interesting. So guys will just wait yeah. to tackle them. So it'll be like a little bit of a match where they'll try to juke each exactly. other. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, I like you, well, that. Well, it, cre- it, it creates more opportunity for kick returns or punt returns. Yeah, it yeah. just, I think the, the NFL the is so boring. Yeah. yeah. It's so boring. So I don't know. That's, that's how I, f- I just feel like it's more exciting. It's faster. Um, and, uh, the pace of play, yeah, as I said, the pace of play is a little bit quicker right. too. So, Ultimately, I prefer the CFL rules. That's my that's my answer to that question. All right, Andy asks, um, when a player, let's see here, he says, do you like it when good players get picked up by the NFL? Do you see it as them graduating to like a bigger league, a bigger stage, or would you rather that they stay in Canada? Well, I don't know. That's a mixed bag. So that's a good question too. Um, it hasn't happened to on my team as much lately. Um, it used to be, it, it just seems to come in waves where players will go down South um, and, and stick. Um, and then you feel like, oh man, you really, it's annoying at first because you lost a good player. Right. Um, but ultimately it's good for the league because it's exposure for the CFL. Um, there's always the chance that that player doesn't stick and comes back. And then that they have additional experience Again, additional exposure, which is great. Um, you know, there's examples like uh, Cameron Wake, who was a you know star defensive lineman for BC, uh, went down to I think Miami, um, and was a beast down there too. And that, I think like that's fun to see, right? And I think it also helps kind of deter the argument that the CFL quality of play is so much lower. I think this is such a misnomer because there are thousands of graduating football players every year and there's only 32 NFL teams and there's nine CFL teams. And that's, and those are really, and sure there's the UFL, USFL and there's the new XFL and those, those kinds of things. And I, there, there's a bit of, I guess, some talent dispersal to, to consider there, but largely speaking, the premier positions to play football are, are, are in the NFL and the CFL. And, Distinction and talent between the two is pretty thin is, is how I feel about it. It's just, it's a different style of player. There's some absolute freaks of nature in the NFL who can do crazy things and that, and they would never play in the CFL. I get that. But, um, cause the money's not there, but at the same time, I think the level of play that you're getting out of the player, you know, it's, it's, you know, we have had players like, um, uh, Chad Ochocinco, for instance, come up, um, to the to the CFL, uh, Ricky Williams came up to the CFL when he was blackballed for marijuana use. Yeah, a couple yeah. other things, and um, you know they don't rip up the league. In fact, um, Ojasinko specifically on a podcast recently said that he was like he was really blown away by the level of play that he witnessed um, in the CFL. Um, obviously, uh, another good example of that would be uh, there was just a Netflix documentary about him. Um, What's his name? Johnny Manziel. Uh, 
Johnny Manziel, who c- crashed and burned. He tried to come up to the CFL and he didn't do anything. So it's and there's a lot. There's you know there, I, I could pave a, a road with all the failed NFL players who c- tried to come up and and um, who had big careers in the NFL and failed in the CFL. There's a lot of that. So the long answer to your question is, or the short answer after the long answer is that <laughs> it irks me a little bit because you want to see those players stick, but at the same time, it's good for the league and it, it helps deter that argument, which is a lot of that, which is that the CFL has, it's just a worse, a, a, a lower quality league. And it's, it, I guess to some degree, maybe, but I think largely it's just a different game, which creates a different type of player requirement. But you know, these, this is top tier football. It, it doesn't, it, it, it only gets slightly better <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. All right. I like it, baby. Go CFL. Now, I don't really have a question, but I just wanted to kind of commiserate. I know that you had on the Blue Bombers, because I've talked about it with Heath, a guy named Chris Strevler. Yes. Um, and I he think- was just back up here recently, actually. He was here for the Banjo Bowl, which is the weekend after Labor Day. We do a rematch against the Saskatchewan team. And uh, he came up, he was doing signing autographs and He's a bit of a character here. He's a he's a like folklore legend now at this point. Well, let me tell you something. He signed with the Jets and he was on the Jets for about a year. Um and he played in preseason, then he was on in the NFL. We have a practice squad, which mm-hmm. is basically what it sounds like. They practice, but they can also bring these players up to play. Unfortunately, he got hurt in the in the first preseason game, and then he reached an injury settlement with the Jets for the rest of the year, which means that he can't re-sign even to the practice squad. So it's kind of like when you're laid off, but you know you might come back to the job. The sure. J- from my understanding, from listening to all the Jets beat writers, the local reporters, is that they want him to come back. They would be open to him coming back once he clears from this injury period. Um, and I don't know if you've been following the NFL where Aaron Rodgers was supposed to be the Jets quarterback and he got Hard injured. Hard to miss that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I figured. Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I mean, I'm, what am I? I always get this weight. 38, 39 years of being a Jets fan. And um, I just want to say that if you happen to see Chris Trevler, can you please tell him to somehow like maybe he could wear a mask, maybe he could <laughs> use AI to uh, like fool people or something. I don't know technology. Can he please because our quarter, current quarterback Zach Wilson is so horrible, and I loved Trevler. I wanted, I was like fucking start last year. I wanted the guy to start the whole season. Um, I think he's so fun. He just has, he's like one of those players from the heart, like you're saying, like a folk hero. Yeah. Like he just kind of wills himself to be but this he helped, player. When he helped break a 30 year Grey Cup drought for the Bombers by playing on a broken foot. That's so, what yeah, we got, need. We're going on yeah. 50, 60. We, we, we're going from 60, 68. So, I mean, we, we really need that help, you know? But I don't know, just in case you see him. Tell him that we love him, and I, I want him back <laughs> on the team. I hope he comes. Yeah, it's back funny because people team. people here want him back too. They're hoping that he's not going to stick, and then they'll come back. Here. I doubt it. That'll probably won't happen at this point. But um, Nathan Work, same thing. He's an all star Canadian quarterback. 
um, played for BC last year. He's on the, I think he's backing up in Jacksonville. Um, and so, yeah, there's a, there's a few of those where uh, we kind of hope that they come back, but you know, we know the reality is that they're probably not. So glad to know that he's getting the love in, yeah. in New York though. People love yeah. him, dude. Trust me. If you were to ask New York Jets fans right now, like list your top five people, a lot of them would probably have Strevler in that just because he's played in the, he knows the system. You know what I'm saying? Like he could come in sure. rather quickly. Um, and he was also just a, a joy to watch as it, you know, Jets are like, I guess with the Lions, some other NFL teams, just perennial losers. And, you know, most Jet fans just want to watch a good game. If you had a 30 year uh, drought, then you know how it is. You just want yeah, to be I able do. to cheer and feel like you're a valid human being while doing so. <laughs> yeah, man, um, I get it. I it's it's so. easy. It's been easy being a Bomber fan lately. You know that they you know they won two back to back Great Cups, uh, lost the third one, which sucks. But we have that Great Cup Still rematch got coming there, up this week, so that's exciting. Yeah, no, and it's likely that they'll get there again. I mean, a little bit tougher competition this year, but it's it's nice. You know, I think I've only watched two losses at home over the last three years. I have season tickets. And we've only seen two losses, I think, that whole time. Whoa. So it's like, you know, it just makes for it just makes for a very casual viewing experience when you're at the stadium and every it's a win almost every game. So I feel that. I and, and it wasn't like that for a long time. So I, you know, I, I, I hope that your time eventually comes. Well, I just want to end it. Um, as I told you a little bit before, Solo just wants to cheer. He doesn't have a question. He knows he loves the CFL. He just wants, you know, he's just saying big rematch of the Grey Cup Bombers versus Argos. And uh, he just says, go Blue Bombers, you know? He, he, he loves well, it. I'll so take he it. just wants to cheer. <laughs> yeah, man. Of course. There you go. Well, hey, it was fun. Yeah. Awesome, dude. Um, well, why don't you tell us again where people can find you? Sure. So, yeah, towerbabble.ca, B A B B L E. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's where you can find everything we do. Small screen star Wars is there as well. Uh, we're on all the major podcast platforms, uh, Spotify, Apple, everything. Any, if you have a podcast player, we, you can get us on there. Um, and, uh, follow us on Twitter. I'm going to continue calling it Twitter. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Me follow too. us on Twitter at tower Babblecast on Twitter. Um, and you can follow us on Facebook as well. And if you want to help support the show, you can over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash tower Babblecast. Awesome. Yeah. Go over and do that. People putting out great stuff thank you very much for coming on again julian we'll have you on again sooner rather than later maybe we'll be talking about a uh a blue bombers victory maybe we can have heath come on too you guys can do a little yeah i'm happy yeah, if you guys want to if you want to break down some cfl i'm happy to i'm happy to come down and give you all the uh the insights that you guys I, need i dig it i just got to get over that that initial like what the fuck that guy's running towards it's, the it's called a waggle by the way if you it's called okay. the waggle it's yeah, yeah so you, it's hard to get used to as an NF because though I have to say overall, and as a Jet fan, this is what all of our, us are calling for, which is more emotion like that. I'm a big fan of pre-snap motion in general in the NFL, so I, I think it does it makes things more exciting, and you see a lot of the more successful and fun offensive team like yesterday, the Miami Dolphins scored seventy points. They use a right. ton of pre-snap motion with, especially like with Tyree Kill, and uh, it just—it's amazing. Yeah, I love it. To me, 
as a CFL watcher to see how the things that we've seen in the CFL for years and years and years get adopted by the NFL as these novel concepts that we've been doing for 30 years, 40 years. It's, 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 it's never ceases to be amusing to me. So, you know, you can, you know, there's obviously some shared things between those things and, and not everything is, is unique to the CFL, but you know, when you start seeing a lot of pre-snap motion and, and that kind of stuff, you know where it's coming from. They'll just oh, put it that yeah, way. baby. See, we're breaking it down. The source of the force and the source of football right here. <laughs> That's DPR, right. People getting, getting down to the nitty gritty. Well, thanks everyone again for listening. Go check out Julian's pods. I'll put that in the show notes. Visit us at DVRpodcast.com, patreon.com slash DVR. I will be back tomorrow. I think I'm doing that uh, solo later in the week. Uh, I got the boys coming back for around the couch and I have a guest, very great guest book for Friday. I got some guest book for next week already. I'm, man, I'm working overtime. I'm thinking ahead. I can't even believe it. Um, thanks again for listening. Thanks again for being here, Julian. Peace out, everybody.